1: Done.
3: Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. Oh. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. The Starlight
0: Lounge presents An Evening with the
3: Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway?
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you
3: buy. And another steal. Forbes gives this one away. Going up top. A spot of the slam dunk contest. Larry Nance Jr. Sometimes the best alley oops are the ones where the
2: pass isn't on the money.
4: Welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the Lakers have realigned their New Year's resolutions, pushed the white noise to the background, gotten back to their basketball basics, and found some winning streak success. And even though they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies last night and are undergoing some injury pains with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram... They've turned their year around and are actually playing some decent on-court basketball. So that's a fresh sight to see, or as Lavar Ball would say to all of that, you're welcome, as he sips his tea in his big baller reclinable seat somewhere in Lithuania. Anyway, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am joined by Tommy Alexander. Tommy, Happy New Year. How's your 2018 going thus
5: far? 2018 going well so far. Uh, Lakers have been doing well, which helps. And uh, yeah, it's been nice. Work was crazy before the end of the year. Um, It's always crazy where I work, like right before the end of the year, and then it's kind of a slow ramp up. So honestly, even through today, I feel like I haven't really started back at work, although I've been back for two weeks. So that's all been good.
4: Well, today's episode, in spite of all the good vibes going on, there is this looming elephant cloud called The Trade Deadline, that is coming up in less than a month. So for today's episode, we've got Bleacher Reports, Eric Pincus on to talk about Pincus? the looming trade
5: that de- Pincus? Wait, Cruz does Pincus, Pincus? Pincus write for Bleacher Report? I thought he writes for the LA Times.
4: No, dude, it's he's now part of Bleacher Report. LA Times was like a couple years ago. Oh,
5: I'm so out of the uh, loop on that.
4: And I'm definitely not editing that out. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Hey, I've been following Eric Pincus since I was 12 years old, so I know about Eric Pincus. Same.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we do have Eric Pincus on tonight to talk about all that trade deadline stuff, what the Lakers are planning to do or not do, all that stuff surrounding Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson. So because this is a trade deadline-specific episode, and you know how I get with these episode titles, Tommy, so... uh what do you think I name? <laughs> what do you think I name this episode?
5: Uh, I honestly, I have no idea. My brain just can't reach those levels that yours gets to with the names.
4: <laughs> All right, so I'm naming this episode "Trader Jews," like Trader Juju. You know, Trader Julius, Trader Joe's, Trader Jews. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the appropriate response to that. And with that said. Before we get to Eric Pincus, obviously a lot of random Lakers news has been happening since the new year started. But before we get to that news, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us on iTunes, that is how many more minutes. Gary Payton-Dose will get on the Lakers moving forward. And it seems like he's a good player, so we want more minutes for him. So please rate and review us on iTunes. Speaking of rating and reviews, tonight we've got none other than LaVar Ball to read the review. Tommy Alexander slash LaVar Ball, take it away.
5: This review is entitled, Hotter Than a Loaded Baked Potato by Richie Richels. The guys know their stuff, and they have the personality to keep the show captivating, funny, and, uh, quote, must listen, unquote, for any true (laughs) Lakers fan, like me. Tommy's player impersonations are out of this world, and always deliver the goosebumps. The energy and natural, effortless dialogue between the three of you is what makes this one of my top podcasts, And I'm pumped for the Lakers season to start for more content. This is an old review, clearly. Heading over to Patreon to show my support. Keep doing it, and doing it, and doing it well, guys. Shabammers! (laughs) Oh, man! Thank you,
4: LeVar Ball, for that incredible review. Needless to say, I have goosebumps. So, Tommy... What went into your goosebumps inducing channeling of LeVar Ball right there?
5: Well, I just tried to um <laughs> I tried to imagine that I was the father of Mellow Ball one, youngest in the game, and uh ZO two and Jell O Ball, can't forget about the middle child. No, you can't.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, that's it.
3: That's they it. Yeah, I just imagined that.
5: <laughs> I imagine I had three six foot six uh, children who were all pretty good at basketball.
4: Yeah. I guess there's a lot that comes with that. So that makes sense. Well, it was a great review, a great impersonation. Uh, Richie rituals. Thank you for that amazing review as well. Uh, We are very humbled by it, obviously. So yeah, if you want to get your review read by such guys as LaVar Ball and maybe LaMelo Ball and LiAngelo Ball, please rate, interview us on iTunes. Um, Also, if you want to do what Richie Richels did, and, you know, I think he donated on our Patreon page, please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypodcast. You can donate a dollar, you can donate three dollars, donate per month, or even just on a one-time basis. Anything helps. All right, so with that said, before we get to Eric Pincus... um, I just wanted to run through some quick Lakers news and we don't really have to talk about it. I'll just throw it out there and you tell me what interests you the most, Tommy. So, <clears throat> since last we spoke, lots of random news and lots of changes. We had the Levar Ball Luke Walton "quote unquote scuffle" which turned out to be nothing. Fake news. Fake news. It there you go. That's all we fake need. news. There we go. All right. And then we had you tell me if this is fake news. We got the the Lakers are looking to coach Fizdale to assume their coach, head coaching position spot.
5: Also fake news.
4: Yep, fake news. What about Andrew Bogut being waived? Is that fake news? No, that actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Andrew Bogut got waived, obviously. Um, I think the Lakers did it right before his contract was guaranteed. So, yeah. And also to help him out, you know, get to a contending team if he wanted to. And also he just wasn't doing anything for our team. And because that position opened up, we were supposed to sign Jamil Wilson, <laughs> but then he had herpes. So, you know,
5: <laughs> no herpes allowed on this team.
4: <laughs> no, no herpes allowed. And as I tweeted, it was herpes' word or his word, and didn't work out for him. Anyways, <laughs> um, so after that, the Lakers then waived Vander Blue, one of our two way contract players. And although they said they were looking to fill that spot with a shooter, they did pick up Gary Payton I.I. in his place instead. And as we saw where when he played some limited minutes in the fourth quarter and had four points and four assists, um, he's a pretty good player, a pretty solid player at least. That, and I think yeah. he's he's known for his defense. He looks very competent handing, handling the ball and the offense. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts on Gary Payton Dose? And do you think the Lakers will still try and look for a shooter? Because I don't necessarily think he's the shooter they were talking about or maybe they're just going to wait till the till the trade
5: deadline if a roster spot opens up so i think when they were uh and i could be off on this but my impression was when they waived andrew bogut the intention was to sign to an actual roster spot not a two-way spot um a shooter to perhaps a 10-day contract and maybe go beyond that uh when they when they cut Vander Blue, I don't know necessarily if, not that it really makes a difference because like especially given where our team is in the season, it's like our two way guys, it's like whatever forty five days, like we'll call them up a lot probably because we're not going anywhere this year. But it was a little interesting to me that they didn't get a guy. I mean, I don't know. Do you have the stats on Gary Payton uh, the second as a shooter in D League? I know he's like not great, right? I don't. I'll look at them up, though. Okay. So, you know, not a guy who I don't think is known for being a shooter, but he scores. I think there was something about how, you know, he dropped 51 on the South Bay Lakers. And in I mean, pro- hopefully they didn't just sign him based on that performance. But I think, <laughs> you know, he was fairly well regarded when he was coming out of college. He went undrafted. Um, I, I actually think that, and I was kind of convinced just to give a plug here to uh cranjus mcbasketball uh tim nba if anybody follows him on twitter he kind of you know i don't agree with everything he posts but he posted some stuff about gary payton uh, the second with regards to his off ball defense um that i was like all right whatever you know it's he w- he was posting a lot of fil- game film from the d league and and stuff like that and like scouting videos showing that gary payton has an extreme tendency to fall asleep um, off the Mm. ball. And I was like, ah, whatever. And in the D league, nobody plays defense, but honestly, in the few minutes that he was in, I know his garbage minutes and guys are just looking to pad their stats. So it's like, if you hover around the rim, that gives you more rebound opportunities, but, or it gives you the opportunity to at least grab it and push it too. So but Gary Payton does fall off asleep off the ball like a lot, and I'm not a guy who notices that kind of stuff all the time. I probably should be, and I try to, but I I often don't, and it is pretty bad, dude. Like, mm. so I, I I'm not saying I'm down on Gary Payton. These are things that like you know he's a young player, people get better. He's a two way contract, so like he'll have plenty of practice, and like he's never been exposed to our coaches, who can hopefully if they're watching the film can tell him like you can't do that, but um. It's, it's nice to get another point guard type option out there because I think Caruso, for all he sh- has shown defensively and in, in terms of being like a competitor and all this and that, he hasn't shown that he his offense uh, can translate to the NBA. I don't know if it's like the speed of his jump shot release or what is causing those issues, but his lack of a- athleticism relatively maybe is, is hurting him a little there, but... um it's nice to get another option so it's not just Zo Ennis and Caruso um especially since Ennis is going to be a i mean all these guys are going to be in a way off the books but Caruso maybe you can make the argument that we need more of a look but Ennis is most likely not going to be a part of this team next year especially given where we are now there's it doesn't really feel like it doesn't really seem like there's a strong need to keep playing him so never a bad option to continue to bring in like young, hungry point guards and and take another look.
4: Yeah, for sure. And he has a very low bar to clear, like you just mentioned with Tyler Ennis. So we'll see. I mean, his G League stats are very bad in terms of even shooting. He's a 31% three-point shooter, 29%, 29% in three games this year. So not the shooter we need, but the trade deadline is here. And that's a good segue because... Who knows what the trade deadline will present the Lakers, whether that's an extra roster spot or even an actual shooter that we've been looking for. Um, So with that said, we're going to turn it over now to our interview with Eric Pincus, and you will hear that on the
2: turn. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today.
3: We know the ways that can be done. That can be done with the draft lottery. That can be done with trades. It can be done in free agency. We are daily cranking out scenarios.
4: All right, so we are joined tonight by Bleacher Report's Eric Pincus. Eric Pincus is also, he also hosts a basketball podcast on the Almighty Baller Network, just like us. It's called Hollywood Hoops. Uh, Without further ado, Eric, how are you doing? And if you want to plug any of your socials and anything like that, even though I don't think you need to because... All the Lakers fans who listen to us probably follow you already. Go ahead and do so.
6: I appreciate that. Yeah, it's Eric Pincus. I'm on uh, Twitter as P I N C U S. You can find me on all the other stuff, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. But uh, you'll find me at Bleacher Report for any Lakers coverage. And I cover the salary cap and the salaries in the NBA over at Basketball Insiders. And yeah, Hollywood uh, on Twitter, it's Hollywood underscore hoops for our podcast.
4: Awesome. Cool. So, Eric, obviously, the trade deadline is looming for the Lakers and the rest of the NBA. We are about less than a month away, actually. And with that said, the biggest question that we have for you is, after the holiday break, are your girls back in basketball? And how's that going?
6: (laughs) Yeah, actually, we're two weeks in, we lost our first game, won our second, Uh, just getting a feel for who we have. We have 10 girls and uh, all the experienced ones have basically moved up to majors. So I've got a bunch of new kids and Three of them had never played in an organized game of basketball in their lives, so it was really adorable, and I got them through it. We lost the first one just by two, but uh, I think we'll be okay.
4: Awesome, awesome to hear. All right, so with that said, we'll get on to what we're actually here to talk about and what we have you here to talk about. Um, so I guess I wanted to start on, obviously, Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson, and whether or not, or I guess how premeditated and predetermined their future was with the Lakers going into this season. So I guess my first question is, yeah, what are your thoughts on how the Lakers have handled Jordan Clarkson and more specifically Julius Randle? Because I think during the summer, you know, Tommy and I went through the Lakers cap books as well. And we knew that out of anybody, Jordan Clarkson was for sure gone in order to make the money even come close to the two max plan of 2018 that the Lakers were trying to administer. Um, Especially if they couldn't get rid of Luau Deng just right off the bat. <clears throat> but I think with Randall, there were some scenarios, including, you know, possibly a qualifying offer, wink, wink agreement, where if he played well enough, maybe the Lakers could find a way to keep him and still be close to that 60, 66 million that they need for two max starts. But given how they've yanked Randall around and kind of never fully in- integrated him to the fullest extent, is it possible that the Lakers kind of predetermined before the season began that Randall wouldn't be part of the Lakers' long-term plans regardless of how well he played. Um, and thus we saw this season, you know, maybe... That played into how Luke handled him, and maybe Luke shouldn't be too invested with re- with regards to the amount of minutes he doled out for Julius Randle. So as, number one, not to take minutes away from other guys who factor better into the Lakers' long-term plans, and number two, so the guys don't get too used to playing with Randle and fall on him as a crutch when he's only going to be gone soon anyways. So, yeah, I guess what's your thoughts on how they've handled Julius Randall and could it be that they pegged him as a guy that just is not part of their long-term plans even before the season started?
6: Yeah, that's not the case flat out. I, I okay. spoke to the front office, I spoke to them and they were intrigued to see what, cause they saw the same pictures we did of Julius posting his, his rebuilt body on Twitter. They saw how hard he worked and they really wanted to see what he could be, but they also, you know, magic fell in love with Larry Nance and he said he was, the Lakers' secret weapon. And I don't know what led to the decision uh, with Luke. I don't know if it was 100% his decision or if Magic influenced that with Rob Pelinka to say, let's have Julius come off the bench. Uh, if you ask them directly right now, they'll all say, oh, no, no, it's up to the coach, right? So that's what they'll say publicly. Reality is who knows what they, how much control. I've heard they're very controlling to a degree uh, but I, you know, Magic and Rob are, but that doesn't mean that they did this or not. I, I, we can only speculate, but I also know that Larry Nance had a great camp and their on paper decision was let's have a defensive lineup starting the game because defense for them, for Luke, that's all he preached. Let's start the game with defense and have three scorers off the bench, Randall Clarkson and uh, Kuzma, and let's see what we can do. And it worked. It really did work. I mean, admittedly, the, the young guys weren't ready. Lonzo took them a minute. Uh, they had some injuries, and Larry got hurt, and then Lonzo got hurt, and Lopez got hurt, and KCP went to jail, and all that stuff. So, that, which was awkward, you know. And, and to have, like, if you have a vet team, it's one thing to have guys in and out of the lineup. They'll be able to handle it better than a young team, where uh, it, basketball's an instinctual game, but it's not an individual instinct, it's like a collective instinct. And they don't have that built yet because they don't have that experience. And so you put vets together and they just know how they're going to play and it's it's no problem. And I don't think it's that hard to get together a playoff team, really. I I think you can get a bunch of vets and get a, a, a five through eight playoff seed and have no real future and never really do well in the playoffs. But I think getting to the playoffs is not that hard. It's when you invest in these young guys where you really want something special that's a lot harder it takes a lot longer so uh but in the case of Julius at at the dead, at, at the trade deadline last year they looked at ideas at the draft they looked at ideas uh in free agency they looked at ideas but ultimately when they saw the way their path was going and they saw the work that Julius put in and they're really happy with the work that Clarkson put in they said let's see let's see what they got cuz Clarkson fills a v- very important role on this team in that you need to have an attack guard, and Lonzo is not that, and really KCP is not that. So whether Clarkson's here long-term or not, they need someone in that role. So they've got some decisions to make. We all know that. I mean, there's no clear answer, and it's rare when there's like uh, this black and white, we've decided what we're going to do. Most times, there are limited choices on what a team can do. The options aren't there. They're not getting offered anything close to what they want. They did make a decision to dump out of D'Angelo Russell to get out of Mozgov, because I think they saw the the writing on the wall that the market for Deng was non-existent. And for them to have a chance to move both Deng and Mozgov in the same summer by waiting, they probably it was probably never going to happen. So they went and dumped Mozgov, got Lopez, who they like, or at least we'll see how they feel about him moving on, because I think he's been an okay fit. Uh, But at the time, loved what he could offer, and they got a pick out of it, which helped them get uh, Kuzma, Hart, and Bryant, uh, they were gonna get Kuzma anyway at 28, but it helped make sure they get him a little bit of insurance at 27. Uh, so lots of decisions are, are made very quickly, but when they go into the season, it's not like they said, Randall's not gonna be back, but they might have said to the Luke, let's go with Larry. I don't know if they did or didn't. Uh, but I think, to be honest, that Randall really is a backup center in this league. like Truthfully, that's probably his best position. And even though he's had some good games starting, I actually think he's better suited to play defense by playing shorter minutes and going up against beeline guys and dominating them than he is as a starter. But they played pretty well. They won four in a row. Admittedly, not against the best competition with Julius starting. So interesting to see how this progresses. Uh, but no, nothing was like premeditated, but things were certainly thought out. And I don't think Randall was pegged as the future of the franchise. They didn't say he's Brandon Ingram, he's untouchable.
4: Gotcha. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's good to know because a lot of Lakers fans have been frustrated with the way that Julius Randle's minutes have been handled just because, I mean, Jordan Clarkson, we've already seen him in that bench role before, so 22, 23 minutes and seeing him score 15 points, that didn't bother people. Outside of the fact that most people also knew that he would be the, Likeliest of the Lakers to have to go in a trade anyways. But with Randall, I think, you know, before Luke started Randall and there was all that scuttlebutt about the Lakers, you know, dealing with the business side of the basketball and they had to have that team meeting to air grievances out. Uh, Before that happened, Julius Randle was only averaging, you know, 22 minutes per game. Uh, Clarkson was only averaging 22 minutes per game and Brooke Lopez was only averaging 22 minutes per game. So the correlation or commonality there is everybody else in terms of the core players, Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball... Uh, they were all averaging 30 minutes per game. KCP was also averaging 30 minutes per game, but obviously, you know, Rich Paul client, and he just signed on with the Lakers. So um, a lot of fans were probably looking at that disparity and saying, well, what's the commonality between Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and KCP? Well, all four of those guys seem like long term sort of, sort of dudes. And Larry Nance Jr. was playing 22 minutes per game, but that's Presumably, what he'd be playing as a future bench guy on the Lakers, anyway. So he was just playing his role. And then they looked over at Jordan, or they looked over at Jordan Clarkson, but more particularly Julius Randle, and said, "Oh, this guy's been in the best shape of his life. He's playing the, his best defense ever. He he's, he no longer needs to be yanked because he's playing great defense and he's cutting his mistakes on the offensive end and actually playing well as the role man. How come he's still only getting 22 minutes?" Um, so I, I and then Brook Lopez obviously 22 minutes per game, which is rare, but mainly because well he also doesn't factor into the Lakers' long term plan. So I think that was the the correlation that that most fans saw between that group from the long terms versus the short terms and fans including myself actually wondered okay well is Julius Randall clearly part of this short-term plan deal so just you clarifying and clearing that up I think helps a lot so
5: yeah I had a follow-up question on that so Eric I I do completely agree with you actually that I think Randall's idea ideal position is the backup five but I kind of have two questions here one is do you get the sense that Randall views himself as a backup five because I think for me uh, a lot of the issue – not maybe not issue is the wrong word, but a lot of the – I'll say issue for now. The a lot of the issue I see with Randall is I don't know necessarily, and obviously I've never met him or never spoken to him or have no idea what goes on in you know, the locker rooms or practices or anything, but I get the impression that he has a little bit of that Kobe mentality in him in the sense that he thinks he is the best player um, on the court at all times, which is not a bad thing. and and But because of that, he should be on the court at all times. And I'm not necessarily sure that a guy with that mindset would be willing to say like, Oh, okay. Well in the new NBA, my role is playing back until like, especially until I can shoot, my role is playing backup center, trying to, you know, give rebounding defense, uh, set good screens and maybe do that for 20 to 24 minutes a game. Um, my, my first question is, do you think he views himself in that way? My second question is, should the Lakers be concerned at all? Uh, when it comes to potentially retaining Randall about about uh, about the way that they've handled him in terms of like maybe his feelings have gotten hurt, maybe you know he's playing in a contract year in in a lot of ways, so like maybe uh, you know his agent or maybe Randall himself aren't taking too kindly to the way the Lakers have not. I'm not saying they're intentionally limiting his minutes, but not playing him 30 minutes a game and giving him the best chance to go out there and. Put up all his numbers and, and get the best offers that, that he might get uh, going into the summer.
6: Yeah, he's, he views himself as a starting power forward, and that's right. an issue. You said the word issue, it is an issue. And in this league, ultimately, self perception is often the biggest enemy of a player, of, <clears throat> uh, of what they're trying to accomplish. Like, who are you in this league? What space can you carve out? Uh, A lot of players view themselves as one thing, and that's not who they are. And Mm -hmm. from their point of view, people are not understanding who they are. It's not their fault. It's the, it's the coaches. It's the organization. It's whoever. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's fully the case with Randall, but the reality is, is he's not happy in his role. He doesn't want to be a backup. Now, obviously, he's starting now, so he's fine now because he's starting. And and in my mind, and in my view, his defense is far worse as a starter than it is as a reserve. Like he. I agree. He's not switching on guards, uh, having the same kind of effect. Now, it, it is in bursts and stretches, but I think you see him play defense almost the entire game out there when he's a reserve. Mm-hmm. And he takes advantage of, uh, of players who, who he's better than. Uh, but the problem is, is that Randall is about, in my mind, he's about his shot. And while he is a decent passer, a lot of times he puts his head down mm-hmm. and misses guys who are open get his shot who travel not travel well he travels a little bit but really his, his turnovers are more offensive fouls uh either right. illegal screens or just barreling into someone right and he's shocked every time and it's like at some point right. two three a game like maybe stop being shocked and maybe learn to do something different and i i'm a, i i think highly of him I, I think he's a really nice player he's a nice person to be around i've enjoyed covering him through the years uh But there's a a gap where I don't think he sees who he is exactly. But, you know, they're trying him right now as a starter and they won some games and and it's unfortunate that Lonzo's out. We see what happens when Lonzo goes out and Brandon Ingram's out. The team falls apart. This is not a team that's good enough to handle injuries. Right. And that's really that's really usually that that can be the difference in a team that maybe wins 20 or 30 games and a team that wins 40 or 50 is that. The better teams, yeah, they have better players, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have just better luck when it comes to health, and they have more depth when it comes to health. In the case of Randall, though, uh, he's gonna go into the summer thinking he's a starting power forward. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna be a restricted free agent, and there are not a lot of teams with cap room, and the market for most players is gonna be about eight and a half million dollars, because that's mm-hmm. what the level exception is. And the money that guys got the last two years is, it's really a mirage that it was based on economics that were out of whack because of the TV deal that came in a couple years back that raised the cap too aggressively and it jumped like 20-something million. Mm -hmm. And that's not really
1: the,
6: that's not, the market's correcting itself. And so when there's only about 10 teams with cap room, uh, of which most of those teams, they're going to spend their money on Paul George, Demarcus Cousins, uh, LeBron James, DeAndre Jordan, maybe Isaiah Thomas. We start going down the list of guys. If there's a line, I don't think Randall's in the front of the line. And I don't right. think he's in the back. But if there's only 10 teams, if he's the 11th guy, then there's no money. And if there's no money, then there's going to be a bunch of teams that have about $8.5 million that can look and make him an offer. But that's not the kind of money that guys are getting. That's not the max at 25 for him. That's not uh, what KCP is getting. That's not what you know guys... Couple of years ago, everyone around Randall's level would get about eighteen million. Red. He's not going to get that. He's just, he's just not going to get that, and he probably thinks he is, uh, and that the Lakers are holding him back from getting that. Now, when the time comes and he's a restricted free agent, if the Lakers make him restricted, they'll take up about twelve and a half million of their cap space. Right. and you would mention like a wink, wink type thing, but the reality is, is that just doesn't happen in restricted free agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just what you, what you see in restricted free agency. Is guys either get an offer, uh, a qualifying offer, and they sit there and wait for the best free agents to go, and then they negotiate, negotiate. Now either they work a deal with their existing team quickly because everyone comes to conclusion, but more often than not, you end up with like uh, Nerlens Noel situation or Alex Len. Both those guys couldn't work deals, so late in the summer they accepted a qualifying offer, and they didn't get big. Or you got Eric Bledsoe, where the Suns caved finally last game. Too. So there, there are cases where teams have cave, and cases where they haven't. But the Lakers, if they're really going after two stars, they're not going to have time to wait for teams to decide. Bread. they may end up withdrawing that completely and making them unrestricted, which is what happened with KCP. Mm-hmm. Uh, need that cap room, and if they if they get a yes from LeBron James and Paul George, they're going to have to say if they don't find a trade. If they don't get the cap room to make it work, or if they can't figure out how to get out of the little bank properly, uh, then they could be in a position where it's just sorry, Randall, you're we withdraw the offer, you're unrestricted, and at which point he can go sign with anyone else, and then that's right. that $8 dollars. Now, my argument is if a team really wants Randall, and I don't know that they do or don't, they're and, and if they're a team that isn't gonna have cap room, which by percentage, if you know, sixty seven or Maybe 80, by the time it comes down, maybe 80% of the, team the league won't have cap room. If, if you have Randall's restricted rights, you can easily pay him either $10 million to avoid uh, a team making an offer, or you could wait for him to get uh, an offer uh, at the mid level and, and pay him a little bit less, but you can keep him. So I wonder if there's a team that will look at Randall, look at Clarkson, or if KCP was available, which it, I don't believe he is, uh, in, in lieu of Clarkson. But if it was Clarkson and Randall, you get two bonafide rotation players, arguably two starters depends on your point of view. I think both of them are better as bench players. Well, in the case of Randall, I guess the the best comparable situation if the Lakers are able to get a trade at the deadline would be something similar to what happened in Portland and Denver with uh which Plumley was it? Mason Plumley, right? They made a deal at the deadline, they sent Nurkic up to Portland and they got Plumlee. And that gave them his right, his rights, so they were able to make him a restricted free agent, and they were able to work out a deal, and they didn't have to have cap room to do that. So maybe another team looks at Randall in a similar way and says, ooh, this is a kid who could be a part of our long-term future. I don't know what the market is with that, but I do think there is a market there for him. We'll see how motivated the Lakers are. And then to wrap that up, the final challenge is that if the Lakers get a player back for Randall, whoever they get back can't be on some sort of multi-year deal, Unless it's somebody they would invest in anyway. And so if, if you can get a cousins or a George for Randall, which I don't think you can, sure, but you don't want to invest in somebody who takes away from your potential to get two max players. So that's really a challenge in trading Julius Randall. How do you get something back that really fits what Laker wants Lakers want, or do you let him walk in free agency, in which case you're getting nothing?
4: Right. So given all of those things that you just mentioned, and I think it's it's good to point out, I know when people heard or read your article stating that, you know, Julius Randle doesn't really have that much of a market out there this summer and the most he probably would get is the eight million mid level exception. You know, I'm I'm sure some Lakers fans were excited at that and said, Oh, the Lakers can surely pay that. But I think the issue that you were stating and that I want to reiterate is, well, the Lakers don't can't really afford to wait that process out. You know, Julius Randle, go out there and find even a mid-level $8 million offer and we'll match that because the Lakers, like you said, might have to renounce him right off the bat if they're, you know, working the phones to try and sign two max guys. So I guess my question now is, do you think the Lakers are strongly motivated to, when July 1st comes this summer, have two max slots cut, clean, and dry right there instead of we can get to two max by maneuvering here and there. I mean, the the Luau Dang stretch, they can do any time. But in terms of do you think there's any motivation on their part to just already get off of Julius Randle? I guess they can also just renounce him and that would do the same. But is there a motivation for them to on July 1st have it clean, cut, and dry that they have two max slots so that they can tell LeBron James, hey, go out and find Paul George or teammate teammate superstar x that you you can be with like is there any motivation on their part to just have it said and done with on july 1st so that they don't have to do any extra maneuvering or do you think that they do have moves kind of lined up that they can execute when if need be
6: yeah that's the trick uh there's risk involved so like a couple years ago when the warriors basically had a deal with kevin durant they didn't have the room to pay him and so they put Andrew Bogan on the block, and they found an option with the Mavericks to get off of his contract. But that was at a time when probably 25 to 27 teams had cap room. And that's just not the environment you're in. And so the Lakers around, uh, when they uh, when they got out of Mozgov, they found a way to get out of him. But they got a contract back, right? They got Brook Lopez, so that takes a year to get out. So they didn't get out of Mozgov cleanly, and, and they got a nice player back in Lopez but it's hard to move out a player now and get zero back. So that's the challenge. The, the Lakers to date have... I've, I've spoken to people who've said that they're confident they can get out of Clarkson if they need to. And maybe that's true. But it's a risk because if you get to the draft and you're trading them out, who are you trading them to? Because you can't trade them for a contract that's over. Once the season's over, if a player's in the last year of their contract right now... Once you get past the season, they can't be traded, and there aren't a lot of teams with cap room right now, and probably not enough to take on twelve and a half now. the Mavericks have enough, I believe, and I think the bulls uh can get to that, but uh are they willing to take on these players maybe 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 the Lakers know something that they can get they can move Clark's to Dallas, but I don't know I don't think there's usually like like the if the maverick if that's true the mavericks aren't beholden to that they may find someone else Clarkson might get hurt there's a hundred variables that could come into play they might get a better offer for someone else and I, I've heard that the mavericks are shopping their cap room that they have uh, to get picks or nice young players so maybe that's an option there uh, but it's it's one of those risks where are if you're Magic and you're Rob Where do, When do you dump good young players who are helpful to you, like Clarkson and Randall, and when do you say, we absolutely have to have that cap room? Can they be patient enough to say, it's July 1st, LeBron, are you coming? Oh, you are, great, we'll make a move. Or no, you're not coming, okay, well, at least we have our players and we'll go get someone else. These are difficult decisions, and that's why they're in this position to make those decisions. We have no idea because they have no track record other than one year. Uh, it's It's been about a year now. It hasn't even quite been a year right? because they, they got the job right before the trade deadline. That's when Mitch and Jim lost their jobs. So it hasn't even been a year yet. So the track record is slim. We saw they were aggressive to move out of Lou Williams. Uh, we saw they were aggressive around the draft. They made a couple of deals, D'Angelo Russell and then moving that pick that they got to get two picks, right, to move the 28 into the 27 and 30. So we've seen that they're aggressive to trade, but we don't know if they're making the same mistakes that Jim and Mitch made, and it's very possible. They won't make the same little dang uh, Timothy <laughs> Ma's got mistake. I guarantee you that. But they may be walking into the situation believing that they're going to get there, that all they need is to get the cap room, but just having the cap room, as the Lakers saw in the last few years, doesn't mean it's going to work out. And admittedly, the Lakers are in a much better position now where you're not at the end of Kobe's career. They've got something established as far as a coach and, and some nice young players. Uh, and then equally, there's no more front office drama where it's like, what's going to happen? Who's in charge? Is it gym bus? Is it genie bus? That's all resolved. So they're in a better place than they are now, but that doesn't mean that someone's coming and they have to make some difficult decisions. Uh, yeah, like you said earlier, start the show in less than a month.
4: Yeah, and I think on top of what you said, when you have to make those moves in a pinch, what team, I mean, knowing how how vocal the Lakers have been about their plan, what team at that moment is going to say, oh, yeah, if I un- take the Lakers' Jordan Clarkson or Julius Randle off their hands, that's what's going to allow them to get LeBron James and Paul George. I am not. I mean, not that that's, I don't know how much of an impediment that would be to another team, you know, but I, I'm sure that factors into, like, I'm not going to be the one that, you know, allows the Lakers to form a super team and get back into contention. I, I think the more you leave it to that short timeline, the more you, you add the chance of risk that those factors get it, uh, come into play. So, Tommy, do you have any other questions?
5: No other questions. The only thing I was going to say, I was going to kind of building off Eric's point, say that I, I think over the last few weeks, we've even said that Randall, you could almost argue is in a lot of ways is worth the risk of holding on Um But if you, re- if your plan is actually just because you can make him restricted and like there's no downside to giving him the qualifying offer, if you can just renounce him you know, after that, whenever you want, if you get the, the go ahead from two superstars, but for the reasons Eric and I think Eric summarized it probably better than we've said the last couple of weeks, but it, it, to me, it makes very little sense to not get rid of Clarkson at the deadline. If it is your intention to go for two, um, two guys, because it's going to be so hard to trade him after the season. If, if that's even possible at all. And um, at least at the deadline, you can get a guy back on an expiring contract. Whereas like Eric laid out, obviously after the season is over, there's no such thing as or you can't get the type of expiring contract we we want back, right? Which is something that would just be over at the end of this season, which, because the season would already be over. So um, for that reason, I think they have to be, I mean, I have, obviously I have no idea, but I think if I was them, I would have to be thinking like, it's, it's time to get something for Clarkson and, and, uh, and hopefully there, hopefully there is some decent offers out there, but.
4: Yeah, so before we get into I get guess, guess what Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle's trade value is even at this trade deadline. Um Eric, I wanted to ask you at this time of the year, what is considered posturing and smoke screening and what's not? Is everything considered smoke screen at this point because should recent reports about Randall being a long-term part of the Lakers' future to be believed or is that typical posturing by the Lakers' front office since it does them no benefit, especially this close to the trade deadline, to make it be known to every team that they're desperate to, sh- to ship off Randall for any future asset they can get? Um, is the inclusion of Larry Nance this late in the game, especially after Magic pretty much publicized how highly sought after Nance has been since the start of the season and how he's pretty much untouchable. Is that also a smokescreen? Like, one last-ditch effort by the front office, finally publicly making Nance available to try and see if a team will take Luau Dang if they include Nance into some sort of package like that? Yeah, so I mean, what's smokescreen at this point?
6: Well, I mean, that assumes that the Lakers, I mean, you say they made Nance publicly available, but really it was a report, I think, from Adrian Woznarowski of ESPN. Right. Who's to say where he got that? Did he get that from the Lakers, or did he get that from another team uh, who is either telling the truth or lying? And and I will say that his track record is uh, very high. Like, he's he's very uh, on point. He's probably among the best at that particular form of reporting in this business. So. By and large, I believe someone told him that, obviously. He wouldn't report it otherwise. The question is, how accurate is it? Now, economically, it doesn't do anything to trade Nance. It doesn't open up a lot of cap room. Uh, you can't trade him by himself and get something really nice back unless you're getting somebody near a minimum uh, because, really, he's at the minimum this year. Uh, so whether or not it's true, whether or not he's on the block, I don't know. I know that Kuzma has made one of those two guys expendable they have three power forwards basically uh if you if you want to argue that um randall's a center fine but really they have one too many power forwards and i also believe that uh brendan ingram needs some time at power forward and if they do go and get lebron james i believe he's really a power forward at this point i could even argue that paul george is a power forward at this point you know what i mean and and boogie cousins technically can play power forward if he's not a center so there's they have too many power forwards, and Kuzma's the keeper, so I think one of those two guys, Nance or Randall, needs to go. So maybe the Lakers are shopping Nance or Randall, and maybe that goes with Clarkson, and maybe that's the package they're offering to try to get something back, be it picks, be it, you know, my understanding is, is one plan was to try to get a pick for Clarkson, and then use that pick to, to trade Dang, and maybe even two picks to trade Dang. But I don't know if you saw the article I wrote uh, in November that there's a, at least a loophole that I found that they can actually give uh, Luol Dang an extension and then stretch him over 11 years instead of over uh, five years. And the, re- the extension wouldn't have to be guaranteed. Let's say you give him uh, three million dollars of that extension is guaranteed, uh, and then ex- and then stretch him. Maybe you're paying him three and a half million a year, maybe four million a year instead of seven and a half. So that would open up like another three and a half million or so in cap room. That could be very significant. Uh, and so maybe the Lakers are thinking more along the lines of my reasoning. Find a way out of Dang. It may hurt the cap position down the road, but that'll be 3 or 4% of your salary cap, which may not be that big of a deal. And maybe you save those draft picks. And we, as we see, 27th pick with Kuzma, Josh Hart at 30. Those are rotation players, and in the case of Kuzma, likely an NBA starter. Uh, so I think they love their, their picks. They value picks. And I don't think they're rushing to trade them just to get out of Dang. That's, you know, and they actually got a pick when it came to getting out of Mazgov, which is pretty impressive other than losing to Russell, which was obviously,
0: Mm
6: -hmm. um, some people are very, still very bitter about that. Uh, but that said, they've got a lot to figure out. And you can argue it's time to get rid of Clarkson. I don't know what Mark, his market is. You can go team by team and say, okay, what, like the Chicago Bulls, they are in a, they're a, a good team to trade with the Lakers when it comes to like salary matching and, and, opportunity. But they have a ton of guards, right? Chris Dunn has been great for them. They just got <laughs> Zach Keen back. They have Wava. They have, uh, Holiday. They have Valentine. Then they have Zipser, which he's, he's like a, a swingman. So th- there's just so many, Players at that position, they don't need Clarkson one bit. Maybe they would need Randall if they're trading away Miritich, perhaps, right? But you go team by team, and and maybe the Lakers know something. Maybe they maybe they don't. I don't know what the exact market is, but I think Clarkson's easy to trade. I will say one last thing is that while there aren't a lot of teams with cap room to go and get a 20 million or a 30 million dollar player, there will be a few that have in the neighborhood of 15 million. And those teams could be in the market. They could absorb Clarkson relatively easily. So it would be harder to move like a guy making 20, 30 million dollars. But maybe they are confident enough that of the few teams that are available that with that kind of cap room, maybe there's a, there's a, a partner to be had. It would be a shame to just lose Clarkson though, because he's, I think he's a valuable offensive piece for a bench unit and he's helped them win a lot of games. But that said, uh, they have bigger plans, and if Jordan Clarkson's the casualty of that, then so be it, and if they're really not invested long term in Clarkson and Randall, if you can make something happen now, I, I know the, that uh, Pelicans want a couple of big overtime games on, or big games on the road versus the Knicks and the Celtics they're on the bubble, but they're all the way up, I think all the way up to like fifth place or something like that at this point. Uh, the thunder aren't or maybe sixth place they're in that range, and then the thunder aren't exactly killing it. They lose a few games. I would be shocked if Sam Presti starts to think, "Do we really want to reinvest in this? And how important is this playoff run? Is is a uh, Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle package enough?" That's kind of relatively similar to what they got for from Indiana in the, in the Oladipo deal, where they dumped uh, Sabonis and 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 uh, yeah, Oladipo for for Paul George. The Lakers simply don't know, and I think that's important to understand: is that like there are very few ways to improve your team you can get good free agents which is really your best option but you're reliant on those free agents coming right they have to choose you and then when you have the pick of the litter is when you're getting guys like uh, you know Alex Caruso and the guys who are just trying to make a roster right those are usually not impact players every so often you get lucky and you find them and then there's the draft itself where you only get two picks and maybe through trade you get more And usually one of them's like second round, so you're probably not getting a rotation player. You're lucky if you get one who sticks. And then in the first round, man, I mean, so many things have to go right. And you're usually getting someone who's too young to contribute right away. There's so many factors that take so long with the draft, as Laker fans are familiar with the last few years. The other one is trade. And if you're relying on trade, you have to have one of the other teams make a deal. And you're 100% reliant on one of your competitors saying, okay, I'll help you make this deal. I'll, I'll help your situation. But I do find that teams are selfish, and they, they make moves that help them. So if Clarkson is available, and if a team believes that they're better for it, they're not going to necessarily care that it helps Lakers land LeBron James or some craziness. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Now, there might be a few teams that would look at that. I don't think the Celtics would do anything to specifically help the lakers right there's some bad blood there that goes back uh generations literally right but there are teams that frankly don't care and if they're if they're not in their window or if they're in their window but they think Clarkson is the reason and randall are the reason why or if, if you say like Presty, if he's like we're gonna lose george if he knows this in his heart and if he feels like we're not going to make the playoffs at the same, we're not going to do anything in the playoffs. And if he feels like, man, it would be great to have the rights to Julius Randle so we could uh, pay him about ten million dollars a year and get Clarkson twelve million, two starters. That's that. Those those guys would help us. I'm not saying he feels that way, but you can argue it. And if it helps the Lakers, he's, he's so what helps the Lakers? They'll find a way. I mean, most teams will be like, if it's not me, it's going to be someone else who helps them find a way. So I'm going to go ahead and profit off of this, and I really think. Most cases, that's what's going to happen now. Whether the Lakers get lucky or it works out, I can't say. That.
4: Now, do you think that I'm assuming the Lakers must have gotten some offers or talked to people throughout, you know, December and January with regards to Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle, whether that's for expirings and draft picks and whatnot, but. I think this is mostly the case anyways for any team with regards to the trade deadline, but I think especially for the Lakers, would you say that they're holding out till the very end in terms of keeping Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle just to see if... Um, New Orleans or Oklahoma city reached that tipping point with Paul George and DeMarcus cousins. Like I'm sure that they, maybe they've got an offer for like a first round pick for Julius Randle, And they're saying, you know what, let's hold off on that first. Let's make sure Paul George and DeMarcus cousins aren't going to be traded by the trade deadline. And if that's the case, maybe then we can swing one of those smaller moves to get off um, Julius Randle's cap to get off Jordan Clarkson's 12 million and then take in a second round pick or a first round pick.
6: No, because they can go sign those guys in free agency. So there's no reason to wait. If, if you have a deal right now that is a favorable one, then you take it. And I don't, I, the thing is, is that the way the trade deadline works in most cases, you may have noticed that this has been a very dead season when it comes to trade. Uh, we had Bledsoe traded, but really, that's it. I mean, there's, I'd have to look and see if there were any others because it's been, it's been dead. And part of that is that there's less flexibility because more teams are over the cap, more teams are close to the tax, but there are also aren't a ton of teams that are that are over the tax. So there's not a lot of teams that are looking to dump salary. They also changed the rules a little bit on on dumping salary, so it's harder to dump salary because you basically pay for in the past you could dump someone making five million dollars, and if that player was off your roster via trade, the snapshot of of your roster on the last day of the season was how you computed tax. Well, that doesn't work anymore. Now they take how, how many days was that guy on the roster for how much, and you're charged for it. So we're going to see fewer trades this year because of the change in rules. There'll probably be like 8 or 10 fewer trades because that's about how many there were probably last year that were just money trades that had like Roy Hibbert to the Nuggets type deals that you know he was never going to be a part of their team. So we'll have to see uh, how that all comes together. If there was an offer, an offer that really made sense, they would take it, I believe. But uh, I don't think teams make great offers until they have to. I think they, it, it's like playing poker and there's a lot of re- feeling each other out. And it's not like there's two parties. It's not like there's only two teams. There's probably three or four or five teams or 10 teams or 29 teams on some level where Lakers are feeling out what's available. And maybe um, they have something that's somewhat available, but maybe they're holding out for something better. And I don't think it's the Paul George or Demarcus Cousins. I'm not even 100% sure they want Cousins, and that's something that I, I haven't gotten a concrete answer on, and I've spoken to one person with the team who's like, eh, I'm not so sure that that's the guy you want around these young guys. And I, that's one person, and that's not a, that's not Rob or Magic, so that person only has so much say. I don't know what Rob or Magic feel. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how that, and I mean, maybe Cousins is on their no list. I know that for some teams they have no interest in Cousins whatsoever. And maybe that's Lakers too, so we'll have to wait and see.
4: Gotcha. So, I mean, lastly, um, do you think there's a line that the Lakers draw in the sand in terms of what they'll accept for Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson or what they deem acceptable? Um, so, for example, if, let's say, uh, some team offered an expiring and a second, a high second-round pick for Jordan Clarkson, because the Lakers' second-round pick this year is, is, go, is uh, attached to Denver, who is like Right now it would be in the 50-ish range. I'm assuming the Lakers would want something closer to the 30-40 to range. And because they don't have their first-round pick this year, I'm assuming they'd also want to try and get into the first round if they could. So if a team offered the Lakers an expiring and an early second-round pick for Jordan Clarkson, and then for Julius Randle, they offered a first-round pick in the 18-30 to range for Julius Randle, do you think that's enough for them to accept, knowing that they may need to get rid of these guys anyways in a pinch come July 1st?
6: I think we saw with Lou Williams that basically Magic said, we're going to trade Lou Williams for a first-round pick, and we're going to do it for the best that we can do, but we're also not going to wait until the end, and we're going to make a decision when it's time. And he took the pick that he got from the Rockets, and that's probably what they'll do if they're going to move those guys. They'll set a goal and if they reach that goal or if they come near that goal in some sort of acceptable range they'll they'll trigger a deal and i think they can't they can't i mean they can they can wait until the summer and they can just say no and they can wait until july certainly with randall you don't have to do anything because they could just renounce his rights so when it comes to clarkson there's a decision they have to make and maybe they can keep clarkson long term there are there if they can get out of dang the right way and if they can make the right moves, maybe they can keep Clarkson. Who knows? Uh, I don't, you, know, you could trade other, there, there are options, but what the actual results will be, I don't think they know. I think they, like I said, they have a, they have a feeling of what they would like to do. They have a, a feeling of what the market is because they've spoken to other teams and they have a feel for who's somewhat interested, who's not interested. But I don't think they've gotten their best offer yet. Because I don't think any teams are giving their best offers yet, and I don't think we'll get those best offers until we get closer to February 8th. Probably the good offers start to come around a week before, and then a a few days leading up, and then, in theory, the last offers come on that last day, and they make a decision.
4: Sure. All right, so we know that the Lakers don't know yet, because it's a malleable, fluid situation, but Eric, and we won't hold you to this, but... I'm going to ask you for your prediction on whether Jordan Clarkson is going to be a Laker past the trade deadline, whether Julius Randle is going to be a Laker past the trade deadline, and I guess what your percentages are for both in in that regard.
6: Well, it's more like who's going to be on the roster next year, and Mm -hmm. I expect Ball and Ingram and Kuzma to be on the roster next year. I expect Hart to be on the roster next year. Beyond that, it's really a crapshoot, and maybe I left someone out, Um, but realistically, Clarkson and Randall are expendable, but they're only expendable if the Lakers succeed in getting their, their goals reached. So it, when you get to July 1st, if they're succeeding in getting the stars here, Paul George is coming, if if uh, LeBron James or someone else is coming, then those guys are, are, are casualties. But the hard part is when do you make that decision? And it's usually like inertia. Like just the general sense of inertia, nothing happens is usually the right answer. That they get to the deadline, they don't get the kind of offers they want. They feel like we'll have to move Clarkson at at the draft or at, in July. We'll find a deal. We'll get it done, or maybe you know we'll find some other way. So unless there's a great offer, I think there's a more likely chance than not that neither is moved. But I do think that they're going to have some heated conversations. Uh, with other teams and if there's a market for them and if there's a good trade i think they're going to be eager to make that trade if it's available
4: gotcha okay that covers everything for us thanks so much eric um tommy did you have any last things you wanted to say or
5: no i didn't i didn't have anything bad
4: okay cool well eric thank you so much for joining us tonight i think we covered pretty much all the bases heading into trade deadline and as you said we'll keep our eyes peeled and ears i don't even know the, the <laughs> places <laughs> anymore eyes peeled potatoes peeled for for whatever happens near the trade deadline because that's when the real action will will occur so thank you for informing us even more about you know what happens behind the scenes and what what doesn't happen instead of uh what we assume to be going on so uh thank you for joining us and once again if you want to plug um your socials and and uh your podcasts and everything go ahead and do so
6: All right, absolutely. You can find me at Eric, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S on Twitter and social media. Uh, I write for Bleacher Report and Basketball Insiders and our Hollywood Hoops podcast, which is with Josh Martin. We cover the Lakers, some Clippers, some UCLA, uh, anything going on in L.A. Mostly Lakers That's probably our our primary focus. Uh, You can find us at Hollywood Hoops on allalmightyballer.com, but we're on Twitter as Hollywood underscore hoops. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it.
5: Awesome. Thanks, Eric. And I just wanted to also add here. Uh, I've been following Eric's writing since I think I was twelve or thirteen years old, uh, back <laughs> it was like, sixteen years ago. And I think we were with Hoops World, or it, it was a yeah, Hoops World. It was a bl- uh, basketball blog site uh, back in the day, and um, I so I, I remember that, but I did not remember that Eric does no longer write for the LA, t-
6: LA Times. So No, that I, I left the LA Times a couple of years ago. Been, been with Bleacher. It's been a, a really great, great um experience and uh appreciate you guys uh following all these years that's that's awesome
4: (laughs) hey tommy where does eric write again presently uh hoops world
5: no bleacher report
4: ah there we go so many plugs for you eric
5: also (laughs) basketball insiders is the only website that i trust for uh Uh, all right for salary cap information
6: there you go all
2: right there we go all right eric uh we appreciate your time
6: all right guys talk to you soon
2: This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. See ya. Daiko.
4: All right. So that was our interview with Eric Pincus. Uh, Again, we thank him for taking time out of his night and busy schedule to just talk with us. And uh, he pretty much covered all the bases. But uh, Tommy, I know you had some thoughts on what was spoken about. And uh, just wanted to give your opinion on some things. So I will let you do that now.
5: Yeah, so obviously, it was great to have Eric on. He clearly knows a lot. Um, And it's it's nice to have somebody who views it from the perspective of, cause as I mentioned, I've been following this guy for the last 16 years. Like I, I, I've, he used to post his writing or his, sorry, his blog posts on Hoops World. He's that stuff used to get posted on Lakers ground, which I've obviously been a member for for a long time. So, uh, it's nice to get a perspective from somebody who's super knowledgeable and actually in the know, but also kind of like views it as a perspective, you know, like he yeah. his work makes him view it objectively, but he is he's like been a Lakers fan. So that's kind of nice to to get that perspective. But one of the things I was thinking of, which I didn't want to present him with at the time because I didn't want to just throw out random ideas for no reason. But um he he was talking about teams with cap space that are potentially could potentially look to go young. And uh, look for opportunities to go young. And one thing that I was kind of looking at or thinking about while he was um, talking about this was: what are teams that have cap space that also have picks that they might be willing to give up for the right player? And there's not that many, right? Because you figure that most teams that have cap space have cap space because they're not contending, and because they're not contending, yep. they then want to hold on to their picks because um, they're rebuilding. But one team that kind of stands out to me is the uh, Atlanta Hawks, because that's a team that's, yeah, they're rebuilding, but they have some NBA players, and they also have multiple picks this year. So one idea I was thinking of was, okay, if we are able to extract a first round pick for Jordan Clarkson, maybe it would be a uh, And I don't think the Atlanta Hawks even are... They were not one of the teams he mentioned as having enough space to absorb Clarkson fully. However, they do have some expiring contracts in uh, the form of veteran players that are most likely not a part of their future. So Atlanta Hawks, if they were thinking about a guy like Clarkson who fits a niche for them coming off the bench as a combo guard, you know, they have Schroeder and Bazemore who are two, I think, fairly legit NBA starting caliber guards, they can slide Bazemore to the three, but Clarkson gives them bench scoring. Um, he does things a little bit differently than what uh, Sh- uh, Schrader gives to you. Schroeder Schrader, I don't know. I never figured out, figured out how you say that. Um, he can play together. All three of them can play together if you slide Bazemore to the three, because Bazemore has played quite a bit of three in his career. And, As far as my, I I obviously don't watch the Hawks, but based on my, uh, viewing of their, you know, stats, it doesn't really look like they have a definitive backup guard who could just come up, you know, come off the bench and kind of like light it up. And they're sort of missing a, a guy who could just like score a ton of points for them, um, off the bench or honestly, even in their starting lineup besides, uh, Schroeder I'll say it a different way for the third time and uh, <laughs> uh so you know the Hawks they have Marco Bellinelli he is I think about eight million or something expiring you make that swap and then they have two picks that are going to fall between the 24 and 28 range, or sorry 24 and 30 range um according assuming that this NBA draft net thing that I'm looking at right now is, is up to date which I think it is um If they're willing to give up up on, like, whatever they think the latest of, you know, it's up to them to make that gamble, right? But, like, whichever one of those picks they want to give up, if they're willing to give it up for, you know, Clarkson and then Bellinelli, you can kind of view as just a swap. And from the Lakers' perspective, you end up getting a first for Clarkson, guaranteed. You don't have to go through the song and dance of trying to figure something out over the summer. when I, I think it's going to be harder, although Eric seems to think that, like, there will be guys that... Or teams that can absorb a guy in Clarkson's range, but you get your guaranteed pick. Um You get a guy in Bellinelli who's a veteran and who can shoot, which is a huge need for us. You lose like some playmaking, but you know, I, I, it's, it's for an expiring anyway. So I, I, I was kind of thinking about that as an option. Obviously, again, I didn't want to bring it up, but. Because it's like, I didn't want to put Eric in this, what he deals with on Twitter every day, which is, what about this? What about this (laughs) idea? What about this idea I just made up right now? But um, stuff like that. And as we get closer to the deadline, although we are pretty close now, but the closer we get, the more sort of obvious teams are going to start standing out as like, okay, this team is a lower seed and they are trying to firmly establish themselves as a playoff contender or this team is clearly out of the picture. So they're in, you know, seller mode or slash looking for young player mode. Um, In the next, because teams, especially right now, uh, in like the six to nine range in the West and, you know, maybe a similar, even broader range in the East are kind of fairly tightly bunched up together. If things start to, uh, if there starts to be a little bit more of a disparity in the next few weeks, I think you could start to look... um, look at teams and, and try to figure out where, where uh, a likely landing spot for, for these guys is, if, if any. So that was the only thing I wanted to add.
4: Yeah, no, we will definitely keep our eyes peeled and our ear holes folded back so we can hear better. Um, no, but I, I like the Atlanta Hawks angle just because it makes sense. They have expirings and they have two late first round picks and not a lot of teams have two that they can just kind of, you know, dole out there. At the end of the day, though, I was kind of surprised that Eric said that he thinks that no deals will be made. I'd be very surprised if Jordan Clarkson is still here after the trade deadline. Um, But I will say, and you know, Bobby Marks came out on ESPN and said that the trade market is not robust at all, at least right now. And with teams feeling a little bit gun-shy and unwilling to not only take on long-term salary, but unwilling to let go of any first-round pick, whether that be early or late— Um, I think the lack of a market may inevitably be what forces the Lakers to hold on to to Jordan Clarkson or even Julius Randle. So I think it's less the Lakers saying these guys are part of our long-term future and more, hey, we're literally not getting anything for these guys. We're better off just having them stay through this season, sticking with the team, improving team chemistry with their gameplay, and we'll deal with what happens in the summer if anything happens at all,
5: right? Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I, I tend to agree with that. I, again, I, it's like, or sorry, I was just going to say the one reason I view Atlanta as maybe a somewhat reasonable is because they're obviously going to have their own first pick, which is going to be in the top three, um, most likely guaranteed. And then these two late firsts, they also have the first pick of the second round, assuming they still end up with the worst record, which it looks like they're going to. Um. So that's like... And again, there's no such thing as an abundance of picks when you're a team that needs to rebuild as as badly as they do, but maybe they look at this a little bit more like, okay, do we need this pick that's projected to go number 28 and could go, you know, anywhere between 27 and 30 or are we fine with just like saying we have the 31st and this allows us to get a guaranteed like we know who this guy is. He's a, sh- a known contributor on a somewhat reasonable contract, and he's only 25. Um, there's going to be some of that calculus too. But no, I agree with you that it seems like it seems like uh, if teams are going to be gun shy about that kind of thing, then maybe we just hold on.
4: Yeah, and I think. It would only be fate if we got that Atlanta Hawks number 28 pick because I believe that pick comes from the Houston Rockets. Yeah. And we are always getting the Houston Rockets late first no, round pick and this would yeah. make it three years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so let's hope it happens. All right. With that said, we have run pretty long at this point, but I don't think any of you guys mind, especially with Eric Pinkus taking up most of that time with actual knowledgeable info about what goes on behind the trade deadline and team negotiations and whatnot. So with that said, thank you guys for listening as usual. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers legacy pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that is how many more options the Lakers will have at their disposal to look at come February 8th or right before February, February 8th to improve their team for the future. So with that said, we will catch you guys next time. Tommy, I will catch you later. Later. Peace.